Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Hi, I'm John McEnroe I'm Bjorn Borg This is Martina Navratilova I'm Mats Wilander I'm Stan Wawrinka I'm Leighton Hewitt I'm Andy Murray And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast Well, here we are, myself, Catherine Whitaker, and Matt Roberts, soon to be joined by Simon Briggs of The Telegraph. We are in the media restaurant at Roland Garros. It's surprisingly quiet. These were not the scenes, Matt, five hours ago when I stood in line waiting for a disappointing piece of cod for about (laughs) 45 minutes. You should have had the chicken. It was great. Now I feel even worse about the experience. (laughs) Yeah. Noted for future. Yeah, but lunchtime in Paris, I had my first experience of it, and the queue was out the door. I mean, queues being out the door is the French Open experience, isn't it? I mean, we've just been discussing our outrage at the health and safety situation of there being quite so... I mean, the crowds have been... It's been nuts today, the the crowds, and and today isn't even a a full schedule. We are going to look into whether this is record attendance for for first Sunday at the tournament. This is the Tennis Podcast, by the way, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. As I say, Simon Briggs expected to join momentarily. He loves the dramatic late entrance to Simon Briggs, but but yeah, I mean, it is thronging with um, sweaty (laughs) sweaty tennis fans out there, isn't it? Which is unusual for us for a Sunday, as you said, I'm sure we've you've talked about on the podcast the Sunday start of the French Open maybe seeming a little bit like a bit of a damp squib sometimes. But today, even though the schedule was not as full as it would be on a, as it will be tomorrow, it was packed. I mean, I I tried to get over to the complete other side of the stadium from the media centre to get to court 14 to keep an eye on the Umber-Popperin match and to get there you have to those go are, those are the words Matt of a real tennis <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> just wanted to keep an eye on that Umber-Popperin match yeah and to get there you have to go past Chetre and you have to go past Longlon and you have to go past the lunch stools and I managed to travel through at a perfect storm when Longlon was chucking out and it was lunch and it literally took me I would say 10 minutes to go about 20 metres. If you're going against the flow, as you have well, no chance. There's a feeling of absolute despair. It's like trying to walk on a 
commuter tube train. I mean, you just wouldn't ever dream of doing it. You just stay where you are, but you have to push through in it. Oh. Yeah, reaching a destination feels like an impossible dream. <laughs> um, but, but it's good that there are so many tennis fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> putting a positive yeah. spin. We are putting the most negative possible spin on thousands of people coming to enjoy tennis of the day. For me, this has been the, m- the most successful Sunday start to a French Open, I think, I've expressed in the past that I'm, I feel quite overall just a little bit grumpy about the fact the tournament starts on Sunday I feel sorry for players that lose on the Sunday because it's like you were sort of never even in the tournament but this one's felt proper it's felt like the tournament really has got going today rather than a sort of weird prelude type thing I'm sure the four year long wait for Roger Federer to step onto the court has a lot to do with it and the fact that the tournament started off in such dramatic style for a while there it looked like we were going to lose Kerber and Muguruza sort of simultaneously in the end we only lost Kerber in in pretty dramatic fashion and and Muguruza fought through to win in in very different but equally dramatic fashion against Taylor Townsend the first match of course ever played on the Simon Mathieu court and I think exactly as you mentioned there the new court I think there's a real sense of kind of enthusiasm and momentum about this tournament because of the innovations that have happened the tournament want to show them off and the fans want to experience them as well yeah, I think I think that there's a lot to be said for that. It did feel buzzy. In fact, that's the that to me, from what I've seen on the screens, has been the only court that's been just full all day. There's, it doesn't feel like feel like there've been lulls. People have got their seats on that court and they've stuck with them. They Camped felt out. like yeah, they felt like prize possession. So, um, how I watched a lot of Muguruza in that match against Taylor Townsend because it was a joy, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it was. I find. I find Muguruza fascinating as an individual. I don't understand her at all. I don't understand her tennis career. I don't understand why she's not doing better. I can speculate, but I I basically have no idea. She seems to have absolutely everything, as far as I can gather. What she doesn't have anymore is Conchita Martinez, which is something she had last time she won a slam at at Wimbledon a couple of years ago. Of course, she's now with Karolina Pliskova. But uh, Taylor Townsend, in a completely different way, sort of seems to have it all as well but it hasn't ever come together before and didn't quite today but she showed what a glimpse of how it could be if it did one day sparklingly come together she's she is great fun she's got a fascinatingly quirky game hasn't she and it's a throwback it is and and she puts so many sort of different spins on the ball and the court seemed to be really receptive to them as well and in that first set she caused Muguruza all kinds of problems and I was I was feeling for our dear friend Charlie Equishare of the Telegraph who tweeted yesterday how he had Muguruza in making the final and his predictions and uh, it looked like she was about to crash out before lunchtime. To defend him he he picked Muguruza because she seemed so unlikely and yeah. there is something in that isn't it? it isn't there I mean she, she seemed so unlikely at Wimbledon a couple of years ago yeah and I think a lot. I think a lot of the problem is with the women's draw in terms of trying to pick a winner. Is that it's kind of so open? You kind of think anyone could win, but trying to imagine someone winning who's never won one of these things before is quite difficult. But Muguruza obviously has got that experience. So if she can find her game, you know that the occasion, the tournament, is not going to overawe her. It's just a question of whether she has that form and. I tend to make my predictions based on form. Someone, I think someone accused us of recency bias yeah. with well, our predictions. I mean, but should we be making predictions based on people's performances from 1978? <laughs> yeah, Bjorn Borg's going to win this tournament. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. 
Um, Muguruza did fight through. I had a chat uh, this morning at the top of um, our Eurosport uh, coverage with Alex Karetcher and um, I, I was just <laughs> I was just laying it bare to him that I was saying everything I just said here. I don't understand Garbini Muguruza. Help me understand her. What's what's her relationship like with the Spanish public? And he said to me that she could probably walk down the street a lot of the time in Spain and not be recognised, which I found. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Now I realise that Rafael Nadal is absorbing a lot of the limelight, but there is room for two people in the same sport in that limelight. She's a two-time Grand Slam champion. She's um, she's very image conscious and image aware. You know, she seems to do all the right things PR-wise in those terms. You know, she's been on the cover of Spanish Vogue and all of that kind of thing. Apparently, she lives in Switzerland, and that's according to Alex Kretscher part of potentially the the disconnect with the with the Spanish public but I just found that fascinating it feels like Spain doesn't understand her either maybe I'm not alone Matt no well I don't understand her either so that that's two of us and, and we also spoke about how she had to decide whether to play for Venezuela or Spain and maybe that comes into it as well um, but she really should have a bigger status. I know that I know that the Madrid tournament when I've been in Madrid really does try to advertise her, but it's it's interesting what he says about how she hasn't connected. Um, yeah, you, I mean, I she seems to have everything, and she's not. And I don't think it's that she doesn't care. I know she's been accused of that before, but when you see, I mean, she was so stressed out there today, wasn't she? You could feel the tension oozing from her she she doesn't have a good poker face in that regard so i don't believe you can be that stressed about something you you don't care about oh here he is simon briggs sporting us open gear yes i arrived at this tournament with my us open hat and promptly bought a roland garros one (laughs) i was getting some funny looks from people it's it's important to matt to be on brand not so to simon um welcome simon hello uh we've covered it is beer oh awesome thanks we, we try and entice you. Mm. Um, we've covered Muguruza. We've agreed that we don't really understand her. Don't understand why she's not an established top five player. But anyway, we've done that. Moving on to Kerber. Which was a far more... Well, it was a very easy to understand loss. It was kind of the upset that I think everyone predicted because she said in her press that she couldn't even walk properly two weeks ago. And she came in here with no preparation. And I kind of got the sense that maybe... Her opponent had read that transcript and just thought, this is an opportunity here. And she just took it from Kerber. It reminded me so much of that Danielle Collins match. It, it was Kerber at the Australian Open. It was Kerber looking a little bit powerless against a player who can just take the racket out of her hand. So should we be worried? Because it's happened twice this year. I mean, OK, this resulted in a vacuum, given the injury. Not a disaster, but in the context of the year... Maybe. Well, her form is not particularly good. I think at the start of the year, I think most people kind of had her as potentially making a surge for possibly even number one again, given her form right at the start of the year. And then that Daniel Collins match happened, and she hasn't really recovered since then. And obviously now she goes to Wimbledon as the defending champion, which will have a big say on her points well, maybe tally. Maybe that's, that's one reason why it could be good for her to get out of here. I mean, she's always, if you ask her about clay, she's always a bit sarcastic about it in that very German way and says, ah, the surface that I really love. (laughs) Uh, So she makes no bones about the fact that this is where she struggles the most. I mean, of course, if she ever won here, she'd she'd have a career slam. Goodness me, Um, yeah. But it's a bit like Stan at 
at Wimbledon. Wimbledon. You don't yeah. ever see it happening realistically. But I think it could be good for her to get out of here. She's mentally quite a tough cookie, isn't she? If she gets her, some practice together, starts feeling physically good, she can definitely put a run together and, and make a strong defence of the Wimbledon title. Yeah, wow. She obviously never defended a slam before. But I, I, was, I was just about to theorise the exact opposite, actually, which is that I don't think being at the top suits her. I know she's not world number one, but, you know, defending a slam, defending positions, defending status suits her. I think she likes being a chaser. I think she's a year-on, mm. year-off kind of gal. Well, she's been exactly that, hasn't she? On in 16, off in 17, yeah. on again and now off I mean, again. I there's not enough data to draw decisive conclusions but it's a theory but i think grass is going to be more conducive isn't it she's a sort of flat hitter um particularly that forehand up the line which is her signature shot it's a pretty lethal on a grass court skidding on kerber upset aside what's the big story for you today simon is it federer yeah i think so um Seven hundred words on Federer and uh, a pretty flowery effort to try and create a Brit preview when there were limited number of quotes. I've actually ended up quoting "Allo, allo." That's how desperate it was. <laughs> Can you give us a preview of that? What was the quote? In, um, in I think I quoted, I quoted the German commander who said that the French are always unreliable, especially after lunch. <laughs> is is that an attempt to um, bolster Kyle Edmund's spirits ahead of tomorrow? <laughs> well, it's kind of complicated, but um, uh, I had to try and, uh, I don't know, inject some attempts at colour. I'm not sure it works. 700 words on Federer sounds good fun, though. I mean, there was, there was 700 words of, of stuff to write about, not least the fact that he, he walked out onto Philippe Chatrier, first time in four years, dressed as sort of the most stylish turd in history. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what is that? Well, he, he, technically he walked out in Wimbledon kit because he was all white and then he took off the, uh, the top and then <laughs> to he... To reveal something He was brown. <laughs> brown and unflushable, is what you're saying. So I mean, come on. People I'm, have said I FedEx, know. but I, I, I look FedEx up and they're blue. I don't understand that thing. I know style no. is personal, but is there anyone out there that thinks a pale brown is a good look. I think they were probably trying to tone in with, with the new, new look Chatrier, but... It hasn't worked. There is nothing that pale brown tones with. And also, as, as Federer said to Simon's answer in the press conference, when, when you have the full stadium on Chatrier, you can't see the new seats, <laughs> so you're not blending in with anything. Maybe giving them too much credit. How, how many of the 700 words were dedicated to description yeah, of, there that, was of a, that particular shade of brown? There was, there was a little bit. I mean, uh, I think I said that it takes... Uh, a special clothes horse to make beige look bold. I mean, but, I, but he just about pulled it off. I, I'm quite certain that n- that nobody would have looked better in that shade of pale brown well, than, that was, than yeah, Roger Federer. That was so. kind of my point. I thought he kind of got away with it. Did I mean, s- it, it doesn't. I think when you design a, a clay court outfit, it, it's it's about how it looks against the red, and I think it looked okay against that. Oh. <laughs> And also he played I mean, well, he so that me, leaves yeah. a positive image. He did play really if he, well. If he, he has an absolute stinker and that image of him in that brown <laughs> t-shirt will just be you know will linger in our minds i think you need to file that stinker line yeah. away for future <laughs> maybe in a few rounds time a lingering stench <laughs> anyway he was great today wasn't he lovely particularly and in the match. first set a great for a for a very scoreline wise one-sided straight sets match it was fantastic fun wasn't it Senego, brilliant value 
Yeah, he's only won 14 ATP matches, which is obviously six fewer than Federer has Grand Slams. So the just the, the gap in experience there was vast. But in the first set, it looked to me like he had a little bit of stage fright, Senega, like he almost allowed Federer to express himself, which once, you're, once you've done that, you're... Your toast, really, but then he fought fought really well and made a match fit in the third set. It was hot and sunny when he played, which definitely helped Federer, didn't it? Well, it changed. Um, it actually got, got. I should have mentioned this. I didn't put it in the piece, but it was um, it was coming <laughs> over people towards the toast podcast for the addendum <laughs> to your piece. It was coming over like it was going to drizzle, and I wondered. You know, there was a come on, wasn't there? At three three, I wondered if Roger was thinking, "Oh, I'm not quite sure what the weather's doing here. I'd like to get this done." Um, that was the only moment of emotion, wasn't it, in an otherwise serene performance. Did you attend his press conference? Yeah. Was he asked whether he has any plans to... Because, of course, famously, when he played on the Sunday last, he flew back home. Oh, yeah, that's right. In the intervening period, which is pretty extraordinary. I mean, I know home's not far away, but to take a little jaunt home during a Grand Slam, private jet or not, is... uh, there were some fairly um, broad brush, uh, unsatisfying questions, I would say, in that press conference, um, and we didn't get onto that, but we should have done. Uh, I mean, I, he did mention that he's going to have two and a half days before he plays again, so I, I figured that that's perhaps why he, unlike the others, decided he wanted to play Sunday. Is that too much time? Well, I think recovery is what's going to be the key to his tournament. You know, it's all about getting it done, getting it done quickly here, because it is more physical, and he has to keep his energy up. It was at the O2 last year, wasn't it, where he said, I- I've decided I'm just not going to practice. Yeah, cause... after that horrendous <laughs> match he played against Nishikori where he couldn't find the strings. But don't you think that on clay that's not an option for him? No, probably not, but I mean... But I think it is about the recovery because in Rome, when he had to play the back-to-back matches, didn't he? And then he obviously wasn't feeling right the next day, but there's going to be no such issues. Prior to him on Philippe Chatchet, just in, in between in a Federer Kerber sandwich, or should I say Potapova sandwich, um, we had Stefanos Tsitsipas, who was uh, in majestic form. Looking a lot better than he did when we recorded the preview <laughs> podcast. Well, he did look, he was, he was all sorts of grumpy. I saw him at dinner last night, and that, uh, trust me, that is not a brag because this was not a glamorous restaurant. <laughs> it was the only thing, I mean, it's absolutely fine, but basically you go there because it's it's next door to the hotel and you're too tired to go anywhere else. It's a really bog-standard pizza and pasta. And he, he was the most relaxed guy I've mm. ever seen on the eve of a Grand Slam. He <laughs> was there with his whole family. He had his sister sat on his knee. He was just just loving it, absolutely loving it. And, uh, yeah, I started to feel bad for saying he was being grumpy during practice but he was being grumpy during practice that he wasn't was, a good but some practice. of the drills he was doing I saw them uh, almost reflected in the way that he's looking for that cross-court backhand winner and almost using his backhand as a weapon but I just watch him and I think everything is so solid you know because he's like so he's an elegant touchy kind of player but what really strikes me is just how totally accurate he is and he, he just doesn't give you the kind of silly errors that I mean if you think about the Dimitrov comparison maybe it's somebody else who's a stylist um, we'll come on to him I'm sure um, there's just nothing to get your teeth into he, he just he gets it done point after point and it's so playing the percentages even though he looks elegant actually the, if you track the ball it's very steady it's big targets and very smart 
uh, thinking all the way through. Do you have him beating Roger Federer in your predictions, Simon? I didn't do predictions, <laughs> apart from uh, apart from Pliskova, who I felt good about have uh, we as, as she, as she Simon ditched to... Yeah, no, Simon swapped with uh, Charlie this year. The thing is that my, uh, my build-ups to slams are quite painful. And, I just, and they don't I, need I the extra pain I of predictions. No, I, I just don't. I mean, once a slam starts, I have a great time, but my, the three days before <laughs> a, a slam are always quite unpleasant. You've mentioned Dimitrov, Simon. Mm. That, f- for me, I, I only saw it in patches, uh, but it was one of the matches of the day, if not the match of the day, against uh, Janko Tipsarovic on court number one, the bullring court, which I believe is scheduled to be, yeah, be, knocked down to and be no more. With, with the kind of garden, I think, of the sort that we see in Melbourne Park. Some space. Yeah, because that, that um, side has actually got cramped up, hasn't it, because by the oh. expansion of Chatrier. And yes, it is quite draining to make your way through the crowds out there. I'm sure people are going to feel terribly no, sorry for Well, we've already ranted about that for 10 minutes. <laughs> we oh, opened really? up with a five-minute rant about how difficult it is to get to a, from A to B. Yeah, I'm, Everyone's feeling really, really sorry for you. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> well, we did, we did put a positive struggle, spin on it eventually. The struggle is real, Simon. The struggle is real. Um, but yeah, it would be a shame to lose the boring court. I mean, from the outside... It's a monstrosity, but from the inside, it's it's great. And it's and it's always been the court that people have had this fondness for, and it's almost been replaced now that fondness with the new Simone Mathieu. So that I kind of felt like that Dimitrov Tipsarovic match today was the boring, just fighting back, saying that we're still the <laughs> we're still the court with the good matches. And then of course there was that epic on Simone Mathieu, which we'll get to. But for Dimitrov, it was so on brand, wasn't it, that to be two sets up having one one of them as a bagel and then suddenly staring staring defeat in the face that would have just fitted his narrative of 2019 so perfectly yeah he's he's six three six love up on Yanko Tipsarovic and then lo and behold here we are in uh, in a fifth set and he said in in press that he was almost a bit deceived by Tipsarovic because he felt like Tipsarovic was done physically and he felt like he had the match and then suddenly he let he let that get to him and lost all concentration and errors started flowing and suddenly he was in a fifth set and Matt you asked him in press conference about the which I, I popped out there to to see what I hoped would be the last few games of the match turned out to be just the last game of the match which was Dimitrov very nervily serving it out I mean you could he was gripping the racket so tightly you felt like it could sort of crumble into smithereens at any moment uh, but he did eventually succeed in doing that um seven six four in the fifth six mm. four in the fifth um but you asked him about his extremely muted celebration because it was very notable yeah and particularly notable given the fact that it was such a dramatic match he just didn't celebrate at all and i asked him and he said well i want to see this as the start of something i don't i don't want this to be simon's pulled a face <laughs> the same face i pulled in the press conference um well, I, I think enjoy it while you can, Gregor, the way I, it's going. I chippily said, did you think Geneva qualifying was the start <laughs> of something before losing to Federico Del Bonis in round one? I, I mean... We all love him, don't we? We all love he's him. He's a top we bloke. Want, he's a, he's want, a lovely player to watch. It's and almost we're sort of playing mind games with ourselves because we don't want to hope anymore, do we? But he he's, he's, not, he's not in painful. a good place. And he also admitted that he is, he has still got a shoulder problem. Which he seems to have had for ages, and yet it's the and start yet it's of something. the start of something. And he's got Mankiewicz next. <laughs> it's the start of something great, Simon. That's what you should be writing about. The start oh. of something great for Grigor Dimitrov. No, he's not in a good place, is he? I mean, I just every time I looked at the telly, he was like three yards behind the baseline, sort of trying to chop a retrieval shot. Um, and I was just thinking, this this cannot be where 
you were meant to be, Grigori. <laughs> you were meant to be in there with the top ten seeding. Do we couldn't see any evidence of under Agassi around. Have you, have, have, have you seen any Agassi? No, but I, I didn't uh, get down to the bull ring, so... No, as far as I could tell, Agassi is not in tow. I don't think that means that they've split. In, oh no, in they any, definitely haven't. They definitely, but I think I think it's evolved into a sort of men, ongoing mentoring type relationship. I don't think it's a it's a coaching type setup where they're talking about forehands and backhands. I think he's just sort of they've um, they've uh, they're on a spiritual level together. But he needs someone for the nuts and bolts. Oh, well, he's got yeah. Stepanek yeah. now, so that yeah. he's, he's... Is he the guy? He's re, reformed the, that team that didn't really work with Djokovic. <laughs> Actually didn't work Let's at all. Let's get that really unsuccessful band back together. Yeah. Although, obviously, Djokovic was not in a good place when they were with him either. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? They're like the salvage corporation. Yeah. Um, heading back over to Simon Mathieu, which oh. saw some great matches today, we saw Svitolina... Venus, which looked for a long time like it was going to go to a third set. Svitolina took the first. Venus was a break-up in the second. And then all of a sudden, Svitolina breaks back. And it's sort of an avalanche of Svitolina, who um, is still obviously suffering with the knee injury, given movement is sort of the main thrust of her game. It's still better than average, but she needs it to be the best in the biz to, to have a chance. She's got the strapping around the knee she's been doing a um, a BBC Sport column this week and she all but said look if it wasn't Roland Garros I probably wouldn't be playing oh, she really? said this is my favourite slam um, that's not smart though is it I mean think about the places that you're going to compete for the title when you're at that level and maybe that's the mentality that she's always had like she needs to think of herself more of somebody who's competing for titles and not, not going to play in the French because she likes it you know yeah I mean bit of imposter syndrome maybe yeah i didn't have her as a factor in this tournament at all but she did play a lot better today than i thought she was going to she seems very comfortable in france as well doesn't she um yeah she said it feels like home mm. actually and she obviously lo- she she obviously loved playing on that court and fa- found all of that a great honor i just that's a bit insulting we, we've claimed her as an honorary brit haven't we via her place in yeah. chelsea are you also claiming jeremy shardy as an honorary brit oh, definitely it tomorrow? and i'm claiming annette contavet as an honorary brit <laughs> Because she has an amazing English accent and and enjoys watching uh, Maiden Chelsea. Donna Vekic has a good English accent. She trained in the UK for a long time, didn't she? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Matt has a theory that Jeremy Shardy is a Fulham fan. I do, yeah. Based purely on his... Social media likes. <laughs> I've been stalking him. <laughs> following closely. Yeah. What did we see, Matt, on... You were following the match on Simon Mathieu before that uh, Svitolina-Venus-Williams match, which also went to five sets. Yeah, which was last year's semi-finalist, Cechonato, going out from a, from two sets up to uh, Mau. That's sort of a relief, isn't it? <laughs> Why is that a relief? Well, we know about Chechenato and his background, and it's not a subject that anyone really wants to have to get into again. But, but you would have no choice to get into if he did become a feature of the tournament. Yeah, I guess. But but it was lovely. I mean, <laughs> you just want an easy life, Simon. Well, it's just it's it's so difficult because it wasn't it didn't come to a conclusion because of um, purely uh, sort of small print reasons. Um, and There's a lot of those. There's a lot of small print. Yeah, and it's just it's all so unsatisfactory and messy, uh, and, and he, he seems like an anomaly. There was a funny tweet from Jeannie Bouchard, wasn't there? Uh, she she tweeted not, um, not a repeatable phrase. She tweeted, uh, "Was it who's this guy or something like this?" But it was it was ironic because she'd done the same thing a year ago um, when when he turned up from nowhere and went to the semi-finals. But he's right, he, he, I should be following her. T- I think I have her muted on social media, actually. I find it it does my head in. He's one of those players, Chechenata, who probably you could put in the clay court specialist category. I know we were yeah. talking recently about how they seem to be a bit of a dying breed, but he probably is one. And the French Open made up so many of his ranking points that he's now going to drop out of the top 40, probably, with that loss. But on the flip side, Mao, this was his 12th Grand Slam wildcard. And he was, he was, he said in his, in his press how he was really grateful for the, for it. But he considered giving it back because he wasn't, because he was feeling kind of injured at the weekend. And then, of course, his son came on court, and whenever that happens, Catherine goes a bit funny. He played the, he played the cute son coming on court. Last, he did it last year. I also feel, I also feel quite a lot of warmth for Mo because he's been ditched by Pierre Gaubert yes. this year oh, to focus mm. on his singles. And, I it's, feel and it's also nice for him to have a moment in France because yeah. I feel like yeah. he's not a clay court player, and most most of the tennis in France is on clay. And there was that that Davis Cup final where he was he was dropped, wasn't he? So he's never he's never really had much of a moment in France, but playing the best match on the new court was was probably it. He's had his moment. Matt was watching. I remember it's, a couple of years ago, happened. because this Sunday is often such a drab affair with no... I mean, the Federer playing was a big lift for what would otherwise have been a bit of a weak schedule. A couple of years ago, I spent Sunday writing about the, uh, the French ability to play well and lose uh, in a piece based around Pierre Hou... Air Bear, who I think lost to Isner that day, or somebody like that, uh, played well and lost. Um, 
And well, he's focusing uh, on his singles now, so maybe he'll but they, they, play they, well they, and win. They haven't really changed, have they? And they're, they're, the French brain is... Um, you've spoken about the French brain on the podcast before. Style over substance. Style There's only ever costs. one French brain, isn't there? But it gets passed around. So, so <laughs> only one Frenchman can have it in any given week. <laughs> Have you, heard, have you had well, this theory? Well, who's got it this week? Well, we, 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 we can't quite... Well, Kiki Mladenovic won. No, I think the women are uh, maybe uh, different. OK. But, um, or Benoit Paire, champion. Benoit Paire, it definitely yeah. had it last week. Yeah, yeah but that, does, does that not by default mean he won't have it this week? I think, yeah, that's probably right. Benoit Paire, who, footnote, before we just quickly look ahead to tomorrow, has played all 18 weeks on either the ATP or Challenger Tour this year. That is extraordinary. He has seen and, and whatever Dominic Team's crazy schedule is and just raise the People bar. think of some, him as somebody whose interest in tennis is not always all there. Well, I mean, how, you don't do that if you don't blooming love playing tennis. Uh, just a few other quick results from today. Karolina Pliskova won uh, very convincingly. Marin Cilic, straight sets win for him. We haven't said that very much recently. Kanish Corey got it done in straight sets. Did he underarm serve? He did not underarm serve. Right, he's let us down. That was that was definitely a fake promise. Yeah, and I'm he's I'm never going to come now through. Now that you've that. reminded me of that, I'm disappointed. I haven't gone to his press conference and quizzed him on that. Um, <laughs> There's time because he's still in. Straight sets winner Stevens. Straight sets winner. I think that's all the major results. Belinda Bencic, Alexi Popperin won through over Ugo Umber in four sets. How uh, skinny is Ugo Umber? Oh, very. That was. I mean, Alexi Popperin's pretty skinny. I know, but he looks like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger compared <laughs> to Umber. He, he barely he, leaves a trail. <laughs> in the clay yeah exactly <laughs> and it was a strange match he won he won the first 25 points on his serve Umber Popperin just couldn't get near his serve it's not like Umber's got a big serve he sort of dollies it in really but he was he won yeah 25 points in a row and then the match just completely flipped and he and he lost He's French brain yeah <laughs> French brain uh, being po- uh, being uh, being coached by Pat Cash at the moment uh, Alexi Popperin for this tournament and for the grass court season uh, Kucheva beats Svetlana Kuznetsova Diego Schwartzman got embroiled in the five set with uh, Martin Fuchevich Siegmund won Jera uh, somebody that I've never heard of called Otter yeah, but he, he was plays, a qualifier. He, he beat James Ward Ooh. in the first round and looked really good. I did see a little bit of him on the qualifying course. Von Drusheva won. Asavan Oitvang And Von Drusheva now plays Potapova in the Teenage Clash. And the winner of that could possibly face Yastremska, the winner of... You've got her winning the title. Well, I've not got her winning the title. I think I put her in the quarterfinals, but she's uh, she's got lots of momentum. Kozlova and gone with Yastremska. Kozlova. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Who's first on Simone Mathieu tomorrow? Yes, schedule for tomorrow. Uh, we start on Philip Chatre with uh, Wozniacki versus Kudamatova. Then we've got Rafael Nadal against uh, Yannick Hanfman. Hands off if you've heard he's, of him. He's only ever played one main draw match in a slam. Doesn't sound good for him, does it? Um, <laughs> so have a go at Rafa on Chatrier. Why don't you? <laughs> Djokovic against Hercatch. I think Hercatch is getting oh, a set great. there. That's a great lineup. that. I yeah. mean, that's a fascinating if one. If Djokovic is a bit nervous... I, I mean, I think he's winning it, but if he's a bit nervous, I think Hercatch well, He's almost like a, a Medvedev, like he's going to trade... Yeah. And Djokovic yeah. hasn't enjoyed that this year. Uh, Serena Williams against uh, Vitalia Diachenko. Nobody has any idea what to expect whatsoever from that. Uh, Kiki Burton's starts on Longland, then Kvitova, then Songa against Goyovchik, and Dominic Team rounds it off on there. Over on Simon Mathieu, it's Elise Corne against Victoria Kuzmova, who we're not even going to talk about because Matt's ditched her for Darani Yastremska. Gasquet against Misha Zverev, Vavrinka. 
against Kovalik, Sam Stozer against Bob Boris Stritzvar. I'm pleased they've given Sam Stozer a good court because uh, she's a former finalist here. Um, and then we have Yulia Gerges, Ash Barty, Borna Chorich, Jeremy Shardy and Kyle Edmund, two Brits. It's actually an absolutely <laughs> packed it's a great schedule, schedule tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant schedule. And, uh, yeah, the only problem from a British point of view, Joe Condron first and Kyle Edmund on last, you buggers. <laughs> well, they've given they've you, they've given you yeah. a, nice, a nice gap in the day to, to write up Joe Conter, and then, then you can turn your attention Simon to doesn't Kyle. need a gap. Yeah, get it done. Get it done and get down the pub. Uh, Antonia Lotner, she's 22 and she's from Dusseldorf, and she beat Belinda Bencic last month. That is Joe Conter's opponent, and that is all I know about her. Yeah, she's um, she's not played a, hun- a top hundred player since that tournament in Lugano. Did, does anybody see any upsets happening tomorrow? Do we see any anything any well, ones? I mean, to watch? Serena is a big question mark. Yeah, in the state, state of fitness that she's in. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there will be an upset. I wouldn't want to predict where it is. Great, <laughs> Matt Roberts says there will be an upset in one of those sort of 400 matches I just read out. So just keep I can't ac- remember them. Keep across all of them or listen to tomorrow's second daily tennis podcast from the 2019 French Open. It's been brought to you today uh, in association with The Telegraph with Simon Briggs of The Telegraph. Read his 700 words on Roger Federer in tomorrow's paper or today's paper, you depending can skip on when the, you're the listening preview, to this. Frankly, <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I'll be reading it just to for the hello hello content for the hello 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 content and for the descriptive words used for Roger Federer's outfit. Um, and we're brought to you. Who else are we brought to you in association, association with a dog, Rio with a Y? He's great. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, and here we please. He's a Sitsipas fan. Sitsipas one today. Sitsipas fan. Is Sitsipas a dog lover? Pass. To be established, I'll get on to that as a matter of priority. You probably uh, wouldn't want to be like because that would be too Zverevish. Oh, good point. <laughs> Fair enough, but I will confirm because I wouldn't want to do him the disservice of assuming he's not a dog lover if he is, because there, there can be there can be no greater disservice. Uh, Tennisballs.com, they're our executive producers, and uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow for our second daily Grand Slam French Open tennis podcast. We'll see you then. 